asking the Lord, God, where do you want us to go? Uh, the Red Letter series ended up going a little longer than I expected, and so we're just kind of launching into a summer series now. But uh, I want to tackle a section of Scripture um, to explore and to dive in. And again, summer is a growing season. Uh, if you look at your lawn, although you know lawns haven't had much rain unless you've got a, your own watering system, uh, but normally summer is a growing season, and I want us to be growing spiritually together and growing numerically as well, I mean, and I believe God wants that as well. So I pray, I say, Lord, what do you have for us? And I started to consider my life and kind of looking at the last season of my life and, and uh, even hearing stories uh, uh, from you and some of the things that you have faced or are facing. And I was just thinking, you know, do we ever struggle through life? Are there, are there ever seasons of struggle? Any, anyone here relate to that? All right, the rest of you are lying. <laughs> There's, there are seasons of struggle. And uh, you know, it's like we're working as unto the Lord, and Sunday we're worshiping and, 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 and strengthening God's Word, and then Monday comes, right? What is it about Mondays? Mondays don't look like Sundays <laughs> sometimes, you know? And I would say, well, why is that? And many times it's just the simple fact that there's opposition that we face in life. It's real opposition, and uh, we have to deal with it. It's interesting, I was looking, or this week I was with a group of pastors, uh, John 17 group, it's a small group of pastors that I meet with every, um, every other week. And the leader of that, his name is Bill Fillmore, he's actually been here, he's preached before uh, for us um, when I was away. But he was, he, this year in his devotions, he's going through the, uh, the church calendar. He's got a devotional that uh, there's like a liturgy uh, that follows a church calendar. Some of the uh, some uh, more traditional churches will follow and they actually preach from that and different things. And anyway, the last week of June, as he was sharing with us this last week, the last week of June is all about dealing with opposition. I'm thinking, that's interesting how, why they would put that in the last week of June, you know, the summer, a time to celebrate, right? But facing opposition. And the fact is we all face opposition. There are hard days, there are hard weeks, there are hard months, and sometimes there's even hard years, aren't there, that we face. And the perspective that I want us to walk away with this morning is that God is able to help us. In this summer, we want to look at how does that happen, same exact meeting, uh, the same day on Thursday, I was with a group of, of another pastors uh, for lunch, and Pastor Pale uh, was there, and uh, as they shared different prayer requests, there were about 10 requests that I could count, and I was kind of keeping track of my journal. It was interesting, seven out of 10 of these prayer requests all dealt with opposition that pastors we're facing, whether in their church or in their own home families. And I'm saying, wow, these, these pastors are dealing with things that are personal. And, to, and that day, I wasn't dealing with anything particular, but I, we understand that the attacks from the enemy, they hit the just and the unjust, right? It happens to those that are believers. It happens to those that are unbelievers. And I was thinking, as I had been already preparing uh, for some time, saying, you know what, I'm thankful, God, that you have drawn me to Ephesians for this summer. And this summer, I want to take us to, the, to God's Word, and I want to look at Ephesians 
Um, and we're going to talk about spiritual warfare this summer. And I want you to tell your friends and to invite your friends to come and to, to learn from God's Word how we can face battles in our lives. Now, Ephesians was written by Paul uh, around 60 to 64 A.D., and uh, Paul had been to uh, Ephesus on several occasions, at least two times for sure, but he had spent a lot of time there. He planted uh, churches there. He, it was part of his missionary journey, and he loved the Ephesian people. And early on in Ephesians, chapters 1, 2, and 3, he writes about what the Lord has done in us or what the Lord can do in us, how living in God's power fundamentally changes the way that we do life in a beautiful way. And he does a powerful job uh, going through the first three chapters of Ephesians. It's worth the read. In fact, I'm going to give you an assignment this summer to read through Ephesians. Even if you have a normal Bible reading program, carve out some time to read through Ephesians on a couple occasions and it'll bless you. But he also talks about the past, that it's possible to put on a new man, to be renewed, Really powerful words in Ephesians. Then he talks about it's possible to overcome anger and bitterness and resentment and negative emotions. In chapter 4 and 5, he encourages us to be imitators of God, to live like Jesus did in regards to our attitude and joy and other things. And then he encourages us that it's possible to live a holy life, to make wise decisions. And at the end of chapter 5, there's this great discourse that it's possible to have great marriages. And all the people that are here that are married, just slip up your hands real quick. All right, lots of people married. It is possible, if you listen to God's word, to have a great, great marriage. And it's awesome. And we, we read that. In chapter 6, he, we turn into chapter 6, and it says it's possible to have or to raise kids who honor their parents. It's possible to do what we do, the work we do, as unto the Lord, as he talks about slaves and masters. And Ephesians is so helpful. It's a thrilling book, and I would encourage you again to read it. But then he addresses, as he wraps up Ephesians in chapter 6, he talks for a section about why life is so hard because of opposition. And you ask the question, well, if marriages can be so great... Why is it so hard? Or if raising kids is possible to, for them to honor God and to love God, why is it so difficult? And he addresses it as he wraps up Ephesians. And the reason is there is a battle. There is a battle. An enemy that hates God and is fighting God and his followers. It's true. You look at the world and uh, look at the current landscape of, our, of our, uh, where we live in our, the United States and then worldwide, you can discern, if you're discerning, that something is happening behind the scenes. When you look at the injustice and the strife and the hurt and the pain that is seen all across the globe, the fact is there's a war, there's a battle raging for souls the fact is that there's a, this power of darkness that is very, very real. And it's led by a person named Lucifer or called Satan or the great serpent or the great dragon. We often will say the devil. And it's true. There's this cosmic struggle, this battle. And Paul shows us at the end of Ephesians that there is uh, uh, this 
crazy battle that is true and as real as what we could see. Even though we can't see it we can, and can't touch it, it's as real as things that are physical, as real as this stand. And what's interesting is that we know in Scripture that God, He created everything. He created the visible and the invisible. And He created spiritual beings that would partner with Him in His will. And they, we call them angels. Part of those angels, there was one that was called the Son of the Morning, that was more beautiful, more wise than all the other angels. He was actually the guardian of the throne of God. He was the choir director. His name was Lucifer. And Lucifer let pride slip into his life. He said, I will ascend to the Most High. I will be equal with God or greater. And Lucifer led a rebellion, a literal war in the heavenlies. And Satan led a third of the angelic beings, and they were all cast out of heaven. And we know those beings as demons now. And these demons, they work to thwart the work of God, where at one point they came alongside God and to, to honor God, but now they work against Jesus and against God. At the very beginning in Genesis, you know the story, Adam and Eve, they were deceived, they were tempted. Uh, they, they were tempted with the idea that God is withholding something from them. The very thing that, that Satan struggled with, he tempted them with. Sin entered the world and there was death, but right at the beginning of Scripture, Genesis 3.15, there was a promise of a Redeemer that would come and that at the end result, that Satan would be crushed and that Jesus would rule and reign, which is really powerful. And so we know in the New Testament, God sent His Son. Jesus fulfilled that promise. Jesus knows how to fight the battle and we can fight with Him. It's in His strength and His power. But Jesus, what's great about it, at age 30, a sinless uh, life, he was tempted, he overcame. Three years later, he took over sin, he laid down his life. And I want you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. It's so powerful. I was uh, reading this and just so thankful for God's word and the truth of his word. Listen to what it says in Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 13. And just put yourself in these shoes. It says, when you were dead in your sins... And in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, when you were down and out, when you had no hope, right? Listen, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all of our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that, were, that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And everyone said, thank you, Jesus, right? Then listen to what it says in verse 15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. He canceled our debt. He made us alive. And what he does, and he did, and he still does, he disarms the enemy. And of course, at the end of time, there will be a second coming that's promised. Jesus will eradicate sin. In Revelation, we read that we win. We, we're the victors if we surrender our lives to the Lord. And we can praise God for that. But the reality is, is today, and as long as we are breathing, we are involved in a battle. If you've ever tried to be a godly spouse, you know that we're in a battle. If you've ever tried to be a godly parent or, or to raise godly children, 
you know that we're in a battle. If you've ever tried to live with integrity, you know that we're facing a battle. If you've ever been wronged before and there's just a holy, righteous anger that comes, <laughs> you know that we're in a battle. Or if you've ever been harmed or hurt, you know there's a battle. And the fact is, Paul gives us insight to why. First of all, sin is in the world, and we understand that. Yes, and then also we were created originally without sin, Adam and Eve, but when they sinned, sin entered the world. And that moment that you're born, you're born with a sin nature, and so we have the sinful flesh. But the reality also, Paul's wanting us to see, is that there are demons and the devil that are out to destroy us. And we need to be aware of that. We don't want to give them too much attention, but we do want to be aware of that. And that's what Paul does in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13, or actually through the rest of the, the book. And so I want to look there, and I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. And I want you to stand for the reading of God's Word it's kind of fun. We did that through the red letters, and uh, uh, a few people were like, I really like that, and I kind of like it too. It gives you guys another stand-up, sit-down. You can stretch out your legs. And, uh, but let's read these verses and ask God uh, to bless us uh, in His Word this morning. He says, finally, and again, you've got to read the whole book to understand what that finally means. A lot of incredible, incredible things. But it says, finally, as he's wrapping up this letter, he says, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Lord, your word is powerful. It's precious to us. And God, I pray that we would heed your word. Lord, that we would listen this morning. And God, that you would just reveal yourself through your word this summer and help us, Lord, to live victoriously for your glory, for your honor. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> when we look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13, it's amazing how easy it's kind of laid out. We, we see kind of four, uh, four things here, or three things. We see in verse 10 what we're supposed to do, verse 11 how we're supposed to do it, and then in verse uh, 12 why we're supposed to do it, and then in verse 13 just really recaps what was said, uh, kind of encapsulates it all. And the implication here, though, is that Christians, in the Christian life, it, it's not easy Christians will suffer or Christians will face opposition. Now, there's some that will say, well, if that's the case, why even try? Why even give the effort to do it? Well, the fact is, you're either on one side or the other. There's no riding the fence. There's no slippery fence saying, well, I'm going to serve God, but I'm also going to serve myself or you know, you know, be on the devil. Either you're on one side or the other. And if you're on God's side... He will strengthen you, and we're going to learn about that this summer. But if you're on the devil's side, you are subject to his working. The truth is, is actually once you go to the side of God, once you come to Jesus, that's really when the battle actually increases. And there is struggle, but we can win in his power. 
The very first uh, verse there says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Ephesians 6.10. I love that. A, a more complete look at that when you study that, it, has, it would actually say, Be strengthened in the Lord and in the strength of His might. We understand that it is not our doing, right? It's only Christ in us that makes us strong. And what I want you to walk away knowing is that we can put ourselves in a place where God can work in us. And not only is that possible, that's what God wants to do. He wants to work in us. And on our own, we do not have the strength to face the opposition that comes our way. So what is Christ's strength like? And again, I, I encourage you to read all of Ephesians, but let's look at Ephesians 6, uh, or I'm sorry, Ephesians 3, just a, a, a chapter or two before. Let's look at verses 16 through 21. It says, I pray that out of the glorious riches he may strengthen. What does Christ's strength look like? That he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together, all the saints, to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. How many say that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? And then listen, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. What's incredible is that when we look at what does Christ's strength look like, it's full of love. It's powerful and it's good beyond our wildest imagination. Ephesians 1.19, it talks about Christ's strength being this amazing power. So how do we get it? Well, let's look at Ephesians 6, verse 11. We get this power. Finally, be strong in the, mighty, in his, in the Lord and in His mighty power. Verse 11 says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We get it by putting on the whole armor of God. And as you read that, there is an urgency to do it, to do it now. And it's our part. We are the ones that put on the full armor of God to be continually strengthened by our Heavenly Father. Now, what's interesting is these words were written while Paul was in prison. And most commentators believe that Paul was most likely chained, literally chained to a Roman soldier, which would have had some of these pieces, the helmet and the breastplate and the belt of truth, you know, in the, in the boots. And, and he would have been looking over while he's in chains, making spiritual application for us, saying, you know what? There's, we need to put on the helmet and the belt and the breastplate and these types of things so we can stand strong. These Roman soldiers were fierce and strong, but he knew that our Heavenly Father, as we could clothe ourselves in the armor of God, that we could be as strong, if not stronger. Isn't that awesome? And you know what? The devil's schemes, it says that the, so we can withstand the devil's schemes. 
the, the fact is the devil wants to stop you. I don't want to overemphasize what the devil's able to do, but listen what it says in John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 44, it says this. It says, you belong to the Father. What, what are the devil's schemes? Well, the first thing is he's a liar. He twists the truth. Listen to this. It says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The devil is a liar. He was a murderer from the beginning. It's his nature to do so. He says things like, are you sure God said that about your life? He would say things like, it won't hurt you if you're just a casual uh, Christian, if you're casual in your commitment to Christ. It won't hurt you if you put down your guard for a moment. He would convince you or try to convince you that there is no heaven or no hell. He would say, oh, only fools believe those types of things. You know what the devil also does? He lies even about himself. He would say, the devil, he doesn't exist. If he can get you to believe he doesn't exist, that he's just some sort of comic figure, he's won. One commentator said this, that the devil is the most, in regards to this passage, the devil is the most awesome, fearsome creation of God, and don't forget it. Whoa. He hates you, and he wants to destroy you, and he will lie till the day is long. That would be a good thing to tuck your preschoolers in. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. What other schemes? How about Luke chapter 8, verse 12? It says this. It's talking about the, the, uh, the sower that sows seeds. Well, the fact is that the devil, he wants to steal the word of God. Look at in verse, uh, verse 12. He says, those along the path are the ones, uh, there, there's seed that's, uh, that's sown on the path, are like the ones who hear, and then the devil comes along and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and may not be saved. The devil, he wants to steal the word of God. He wants to steal opportunities. He would say, you can worry about that later. He wants to steal the urgency of God's word in our lives. He would love to put up roadblocks in your life so you cannot understand what his word says. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, we see that he blinds us as well. He blinds us from the truth. Look at what it says in uh, verse four, chapter 4, verse 4. It says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Before you were saved, the enemy, he had the ability to block you uh, from seeing the truth of the gospel. He would love to block the, the fact that there is a heaven and a hill, that there is, that the wages of sin is death. And as a non-believer, if you remember what it was like before, and maybe you know someone like this, non-believers would say, man, I read God's word, but it just doesn't mean anything. I don't get anything out of that. Well, Satan has blinded us from the truth. Or how do you pray? Or, or you know, why, why, did the, why does an unbeliever look at us and say, well, how does that happen? Well, they're blinded. 
The devil also intimidates us through persecution. Have you ever wondered why it's so uncomfortable to share your faith? It's because there's a battle. 1 Thessalonians 2.18 says that, that God, the devil wants to hinder us. And it's a story there where Paul is actually hindered. He wants to go to the, the Thessalonica church, but he's hindered. He says that Satan actually stopped him in their tracks. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, and we won't take that time to read it, but it's interesting if you read that section of Scripture, Satan also wants to cause unforgiveness to be in our hearts, in bitterness, in rage. He would love nothing more than to divide his church, to make us weak. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 4, last scripture, when we consider the devil's schemes, verse 4, or chapter 4, verse 1 says this, the Spirit clearly says that in the latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits, and things that were taught by demons. The reality is that there's this warfare, and Satan will send false teachers to illuminate our minds from a worldly perspective or from a demonic perspective and to keep us from the Word of God. But it's so great that in Ephesians chapter 6, we don't, that's not the end of the story. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And let's look at verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I want to give you some good news that when you can't get along with your spouse, and it happens at times, I'm sure, that's not just because of human uh, ordeal at times. It's, it's not just, well, I, I want to do what's right, but I, I just can't do it. No, there's something going on behind the scenes many times. At times, the devil is at work when we are struggling at our most. I, I, read, I ran across a, a pastor that was talking about this verse in Ephesians chapter 6, in uh, this particular verse 12. He said, he said, if it seems unnatural, then it's probably supernatural. It's not always just human struggle. And it's interesting, I have actually felt the oppression of, uh, of the enemy. Um, Rick, I don't know if you remember this, when we were in China and we would kind of cross the border into Hong Kong from into China, there was a heaviness in the city that was pretty amazing. The same thing happened to us uh, a few years back when we were in Dayton. We were doing some street evangelism, and we would go up to different homes, and you could almost sense that something was not quite right. And what verse 12 does, it identifies that there are varying ranks of demons, rulers, and authorities, and we wrestle with those, sometimes closer than others, sometimes hand-to-hand combat, sometimes from a distance. And I do believe that it's possible for someone to be demonized, to actually be possessed by a demon. Has anyone ever met someone possessed by a demon? Few of us have. Now, that's different than being oppressed, where the devil comes in and just beats us, beats us, beats us. We're not demon-possessed, but it's certainly he has his ways. But often, there's this in, the enemy behind the scenes. 
And God wants us to understand when something is not right, when something doesn't make sense in our family, when something at, at work is not going right, we can call on the name of Jesus and, and ask for his help. When something that's not natural going on, you can say, God, in your mighty power, move, help here, and God will do it. God lets us see or feel so that we might be aware. And I grew up in a home that we believed this and we understood this. I remember our car not working once and we go out after shopping and wouldn't start and my dad's under the hood and he's wrenching and trying to fix things. And my mom says, you know what? We need to pray. And we prayed and the car started. It was like, yes, God was good. He helped my dad. And, and, and I'm not sure if there was a, any enemy there or what, but, but God helped us. And it was, it was one of those things in my mind that I can remember calling on the name of Jesus and Jesus answering our prayer. Now, the same thing was kind of funny. In my house, we, we would believe, we, we would pray over our home. We'd pray for our house before we'd leave. Lord, protect our house. We, I, we still do that when we go on vacation. Or if I'm pulling out, a lot of, a lot of mornings I'm pulling out, the, especially in the summer, the kids are asleep. And, uh, and I'm pulling out, I'm saying, Lord, just protect my home, protect my family. I believe in that. And I grew up in a circumstance where my parents prayed in a very similar way. Now, I did do this once. Once I was a teenager, once my older sister was married and was out of the house, I moved into her bedroom that was in the basement. And one morning, I got up early, like uh, 4.30 in the morning. I don't know what I was doing up, but my dad, he got up early in the morning and would read the word at the table. And uh, I, I may have told this story once before a few years ago, but I remember uh, coming up the stairs really quietly because I heard my, my dad rustling. And this is great. I mean, you'll get a perspective of the way I think here in just a second. But um, I I, I snuck up and I was like, I am going to scare my dad. (laughs) And and so I sneak up and just quietly tiptoe around. And I come around the corner. I see my dad. Sure enough, he's reading the word of God and uh, and eating some breakfast. And uh, and there's right around the corner, there's some keys that are dangling. Yeah. And so I reach around the corner and I... I dangle the keys and I kind of go around and I wait a minute and my heart is pounding. I'm just like, I can't wait. You know, I do it again and I come back. The third time I dangle those keys and I jingle them, my dad turns around and rebukes me. <laughs> he says, in the name of Jesus, get out of this house. And let me tell you, if I had any devil in me, it was gone. <laughs> but that's just the way we were. We believe in the power of God. And, you know, my dad, he's like, if there's some evil uh, demonic thing going on, he was sure to cast it out. And I'm thankful for that. And I would do the same. But, you know, just, but seriously, we kind of come, there, there's a reality that we wrestle with. And we need to understand that we're going to explore that this summer. But let's look at verse 13, because he kind of recaps. And he says again, he says, for our struggles not against flesh and blood, but he says, therefore, again in verse 13, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. When we plan to do something good, when God puts something in our heart to do or to accomplish, you've got to know we need the armor of God to help us. We need to put ourselves in a place where we can be strengthened 
by His power. And that's what He promises. We don't have to be afraid. We are more than conquerors. And for me, as I examine my life, and you maybe uh, feel this as well, it seems like I'm either headed out of a battle, or I'm in a battle, or I'm coming up to a battle, (laughs) right? There's always, as believers, and you say, well, it's been a long time since I've felt a battle in my life. Don't raise your hand. John Lindell, a pastor in, um, in Springfield, he was talking about this, and he says, if that's the case, if you're not sensing a battle at times, he says, you're AWOL. You are complacent, and you are in a bigger battle for your soul than you realize. Because the reality is if we are effective in serving God, the devil hates it, and he's going to come, and he's going to attack us. But the great news is, and what we want to triumph this summer, is that you do not have to give even one inch to the enemy. You say, well, how do you do that? Does anyone want to know how you do that? Three of you? Do you want to know how to do that? Well, the rest of the summer, we're going to take the summer to look at Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to un... Uh, we're going to pull away these scriptures and look at the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, the gospel boots, and all these things, and it's going to enrich our lives. The fact is, this summer, we can be strong. My prayer is that the Lord would awaken us to His power and His reality, His ability in our lives like we've never seen before. And if you're weak, I'm praying that God will touch your heart that he will illuminate himself. If you're in darkness, that your heart would be open and you would report for duty (laughs) and that God would do something spectacular this summer, that all of us, young and old, we would allow God to strengthen us. And I believe it from the bottom of my heart that God is going to do great things. Do you believe it this, this summer? This is a growing season for us as individuals, as a church, and God is going to help us grow as we dissect his scriptures. We focus on Ephesians and specifically in Ephesians chapter 6. We are going to learn to live in the power of God, and I'm excited. I want you to stand this morning, and I want to just encourage you. I'm going to ask the praise and worship team to come back, the entire team. The last song that we sang, uh, In Christ Alone, Man, it just rocked my world. I'm saying, boy, this is the message for this summer, that it's Jesus. It's in his strength, in his power. In that last verse, when it gets to that last verse, and I don't know if the the words are handy here. (laughs) Yeah, verse four. No guilt in life. I'm in your spot. No guilt in life. No fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to his final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. When we were saying that, I'm saying, God, I want what you want for me. No power in hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here is the power of Christ. I'll stand. Everyone say that. I'll stand. I'm going to stand. God's going to help us. And he is going to help us be overcomers. 
And so I want us to sing this. And if you are here this morning and need to be strengthened or you're facing opposition, let the words of the song ring true that it's Jesus that will help us. He will help us. And if you're here this morning, in just a moment, I'm going to give a salvation call. If you don't know Jesus or you're away from Jesus, don't leave here without surrendering your life to him. Amen? But let's sing this out with authority. Amen? All right, let's sing it. In Christ alone, I hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears have stilled and striving cease, my comforter. All in all, here in the love of Christ, I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless fame, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he Till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on Him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I live. There in the ground, His body lay. Of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory, since curses lost his grip on me, till I am his and he is mine. Born with the precious blood of Christ. Now I want you to listen. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities against the powers of the dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the evil day comes, you may be able to take your stand. And after you've done everything, to stand, to stand. We're going to stand by the power of God at work in us. Amen? Let's put our hands in the air as we sing this last verse. Oh, God, help us to live this. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. God. Guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath. Jesus commands my destiny. 
Oh